compromise in worldliness to come on over. So I've got to set that firm and hold it. While I'm doing that, I would be uh, the most cruel man in the world to spend all my time on that front. And the lost around there. And I'm going to read in the book of Exodus, and we'll go from there and see what happens. And I feel good about it. I'm glad the Holy Ghost did what he did yesterday afternoon, and I'm not sorry for calling you to prayer because it's all I could do. I try everything else. But I do feel anointed today to preach to you the word of the Lord. You please receive it as I give it to you. In the book of Exodus, and we're reading in verse 22 of chapter 21, if men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her food depart from her, and yet no mischief following, you shall be surely punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him, and shall pay as the judges determine. If any mischief follows, then thou shalt give life for life. The famous scripture that's heard so often, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. In God's divine plan, the law of life was guarded way back then. It started it all. And of course, a special interest that he had in the blood, life of the flesh is in the blood, and he required the man to uh, feel the responsibility of his blood, of his fellow man. I'm going to require of you his blood. And he established laws of life and there's many of them. I wouldn't even have nearly enough time to just mention the ones I can remember, plus those I don't even remember that guard the life of a man or a beast or an animal or your pepper or your sheep or your whatever. God had those laws fixed in them. Um, a goring ox was to be killed because it was taking life. There was uh, the different laws governing accidents, but it was still, God was saying, I am interested in guarding life, preserving it. And uh, even though you threw a stone by accident, there's still something that you're going to Remember that I am very interested in, you need to be more careful in preserving life. I want life to be preserved. Because really, when you made a man, you got to understand that God sees more than I see and what you see. God sees far more in us today than we see in ourselves. Paul got a glimpse of it and gave us a touch of it and said, I see no man after the flesh. He was reflecting the attitude of God when he said this. 
which all things could understand, and when a preacher's under the anointing, he is reflecting God's attitude. He's preaching harsh, just to understand that God's mad at you today, in a sense. He's preaching love, and he's in order to the Holy Ghost, that's what God thinks of you today. And it'd be wonderful if you would allow the man of God to reflect God's movement. And Paul did this. He said, uh, I'm, uh, I'm human, but I am so carried away, I am so in the spirit, I am so, I feel like I have the mind of Christ to the extent that I do not see any man after the flesh. God sees more in us today, and I want to repeat that, than we see in ourselves. There's more to us than what we can see today. There is that eternal part of us that he is also to God. And in this law of life and protection, there were cities of refuge, all of these things with God's fairness to mankind and his divine justice to guide man in preserving life, giving every man a fair chance to live. Live with his mistakes, live with his errors. And we hear a lot preached about it, and there's a lot said about it, and a lot needs to be said. But so very few times do we hear anything mentioned about that law of life that I just read. And it is the life of that unnamed child. Doesn't have a name yet. Doesn't have an identity. Doesn't have a place in society. But God in his divine wisdom says, I will not overlook the fact that in that mother's womb is life. And I'm not here to try to determine when the soul is born or when the soul is there and all of that. I am not here to discuss discuss the problem of abortion and such. Uh, I do not claim to have all the understanding I need about it. I am here to declare to you that God is interested in the unborn. And since the unborn has no one to defend it today, there's nobody to stand for it. We can get up here as preachers and you can stand back as saints and we can stomp and shout and scream and holler and do all of our thing and, and never one time even stop to think of that. We may not even consider it. Through this whole country. Through all of our services, year in and year out. But it is uh, not fair. And God is going to see to it, whether I'm conscious of it or not, whether I acknowledge it, whether I recognize his law or not, he is going to see to it that the law of life for the unborn is guarded and that those who do not regard it with care is going to be punished. (laughs) 
Now he noticed two men just driving together, and it doesn't really give us much detail. It doesn't tell us what happened. We just draw from our imagination. Why is a an expected mother involved in the striving of two men? I just have to draw from what I know are the possibilities that two men would uh, get together today and get in an argument and go striving, and the wives were there just as sure as I'm standing here, those women are going to get involved in that. Now she may run and climb the wall when a rat runs by, but she'd step in between those two men and there one of them is the other one. And the bravery comes over her, guarding that man of hers. And, uh, and you better be careful how you handle the situation. I heard of a man that he uh, was walking down the street and he heard a calamity and saw a man beating his wife with a chair. And he just couldn't stand that, so he ran up there and took the chair away from the man and set it down and pushed him back and told him to quit beating the woman and while he was in the process of talking the man out of beating his wife she hit him over the head with the chair so be careful how you deal with not to get too involved in this little fight her instinct is to guard that man and so evidently, she has moved in on the um, contest, and and she's trying to bring peace, maybe, and struggle. And, and in the struggle, they are not paying any attention to her. She's bothering them right now. They, they, one wants to conquer the other. And, uh, but in the process, that man uh, strikes her, and she's carrying a child, and the child is injured, the woman is injured, and there is a um, premature birth, there is an abortion because of it, there is to give birth to a dead child. The injury was too great. God said, I promise that though that child bear no name as yet and have no place in society, I will guard his rights. And will bring that man before the judges. And the husband will stand there and the judge. And whatever punishment they want, that man will get. Even to the point of an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth, and life for life. If I was to visit any one of these men's churches, let's take Brother John David's word. really don't mind. We're so, I like he invites me to come preach with him. Let's suppose that I gain favor in his church. Let's begin to like him. And uh, as a result, I find that I uh, 
I have found this favor, and so I take advantage of it. And before I leave him, I have split his church. Lord, there's not a man anywhere that would hear of that and know my injustice and know my my spirit and what I did, but what would charge me to the point I doubt if I would ever be called preach for another man. Rightfully so. If they passed that judgment on me, I could not blame them because of the fear of what might happen in this. That is the law of life of the living. That's the church that's got a name on it. That's babies that's done gut birthing. And how carefully we guard those with birth certificates that are already here, that are already John, James, Sally, and Sue. They've got a place. They've got a place in the church. They've got a tithing envelope. They've got a song book, and they, they've got a Sunday school class, and they've got children in church. And if I injure them or cause a division or hurt them or destroy them, it's almost an unforgivable thing. And I certainly agree that it should be that way. But where do we consider? I could go to the same man's church and get up before that congregation and sow the seeds of unbelief and doubt about souls and revival and kill the unborn of that man's church. And I don't care where it's at and how small or how large. Every healthy congregation in the world that bears this truth carries in its womb a church at least the size that it is at present. If that church is healthy, you're carrying today in the womb of that church an equal size congregation to be born. I am not going to spare anything today I have no friends. And yet I love every last one. Thank you for the invitation to come over. But the burden and the need I wish to God, I only regret and you understand that I am not being consumed. I only regret that it's just at Oklahoma today that I'm preaching. I would give anything in the world if I, if somebody else could preach it, it wouldn't matter to me. But if somehow the message could be received throughout our fellowship, throughout our rank, whether you're AMF, UPC, whatever you are, it doesn't make any difference. AMA, IMA, Susie Marie, whatever it is. 
I don't really, but maybe you're not for the organization. Still doesn't matter. I'm so delighted to know that uh, there were men outside of the ranks of so-called organizations that are clean, good men, and I never knew them, and would have never known them if I had not been placed where God placed me. I wish we could all, I wish everyone God Jesus' name church in the world could believe what I'm saying today. I had cried till I felt like I was going to be uh, sick with fear. We've got such a tremendous job on our hands. I wish that I could tell you that I believe that we have the number of churches that it said that we have. I wish I could believe that, but I don't. In effect, we're having to start all over again. If this ever hits you, it'll nearly drive you crazy. That the labor of 60, 70 years is going down the drain if what I preach is necessary. Now, if it's not, then everybody's in good shape. And I am a number one 20 double barrel fool to keep on if what I'm preaching is not necessary. I believe it is. Yes, sir. And I haven't seen any place to sidetrack from it. But if what I preach is required of a man to be saved, put your little red stars on the map and say, I've got four churches in this town and we've got six over here and we've got one here. And so help me God if what I preach is necessary. There's not any church. I said I wasn't going to spare, I wasn't going to, I've got to tell you my heart. And there's not even the slightest ounce of bitterness. I have wept over it. I went to a state not too awfully long ago to preach a town meeting. In that state, there was 110 or 12 churches, Jesus named churches. But among those churches, the preacher's wives wore pantsuits. The saints wore pantsuits. The world had come in in wholesale. There was only about six or eight churches in the state that stood for a message. And I like to die. What advantage it would be if God could talk to those angels of those churches. And get them to return to the message. They've already got a building. They've already got a congregation. And if they don't return to it, we've got to start all over in their town. And I am not preaching with them today. But I'll tell you what you're not going to do to me. You're not going to put up a church sign and keep me out of the town just because it's called Jesus' name. And let this text take these place that 
But wouldn't it be a blessing if all of a sudden every one of these men that have become convinced that we are not tied to organization, that organization won't save you, it is not the church, it's only a tool that can be used to advance a cause. We're convinced of that, now that's settled. Okay, we're convinced that holiness and and if necessary, let's get together and declare in plain writing what is holy. I'm willing for you to use my church and come and decide on the length of dress. I'm ready for you to decide on what's to be done with single marriage. I'm ready for you to decide on what's to be done with the boys and their dress. I'm ready for you to make a pointing order and say, this is what the churches will do. I'm ready for you to send a letter to my church and say, look, this, this is what we think is best. I'm sure that we will never reach a perfect settlement. I'm sure of that. But surely we could come close enough that the issues could be left for just a moment. And we can do what God has said we should be doing. Come on, ladies. And I plead with you today. You apostolic women in this church, young girls, why don't you stop becoming a problem? Whatever one of your dresses the right length, and don't ever get another one that's too short. Why don't you boys go to your closet? And get them silly high heel shoes. And for God's sake, find you a trash pile and burn them there. They're not worth the trouble. They're putting the ministry to the spin our time, trying to keep you in line. You little old sissy looking thing. I didn't preach against fair play. I was against it and didn't lie, but I didn't make a big issue. But I'm sorry that I didn't because I let you go with that. You know what you wound up with? You didn't stop there. Just like you're not going to stop with a lot of other things. I tell you what's the greatest need of our day is to realize that friends are worse than sin. Because it's harder to tell a friend than it is a sin. People will question you all the friend, but they don't understand that one degree off here will mean 500 miles off down the road. And what I'm telling you today is a friend. Oh, but don't get on those little silly things by the mean. If you don't, you're going to wind up with Harry the Lord Potter and he stops. Now why don't you leave that junk out of your hair and get a decent haircut now let these preachers please don't eat. I thought you were going to preach on all souls. Just give me a minute. If you put words to death about the world, if you put them to go back to Egypt, we'll be reaching the law. I'll spend my time picking up that which fell. I'll spend my time with there comes a time in the life of the family that the older children has to be careful. And when the old time mother and daddy would send the kids off at a certain stage because it's getting close. 
But up to that time, boys, you draw the water. Mama's not able. Please gather around, you older girls. You clean it up today. Mama's not able. You know what it is? It's that law of life of the unborn that's coming now into effect. Everything's flowing here to see that that baby arrives healthy. And that mama will stay healthy after its birth. Wouldn't I be the happiest preacher in the whole world? If the issues could be settled and the saints would say, I'll do it. I'll do it. Preacher, you go to work on the law. I'm going to go to work on the law. I'm going to make it my best to where you want it. I'm not going to put on one questionable. Hallelujah. That's settled the issue. Dear God, preachers, if there's something questionable you're doing, I'm ready. I'm ready. Dear God, if for six months, everybody will do what they're supposed to do. And that is respect their brother. Maybe what you're doing is not that bad. Maybe it's not that bad. I don't know. I told you the other afternoon that I had to learn to accept men with their weaknesses. I told them things that I it was wrong with me. I didn't reduce my, my conscience to theirs, but I allowed them for some days they may see it wrong. In the meantime, we've got preachers that just fell up just the many churches and preachers so they're left by themselves. If I set out today to just tell us if ever one of you that don't like what I'm doing, don't do what I'm doing, you're a nut. Yes, sir. Paul said I became as weak that I might win them that are weak. What are you saying, Paul? If you'd have seen Paul, he'd have been with the compromisers today, probably in Memphis, Tennessee. Well, then. Sorry, Paul. I thought he believed the message. He does. He's trying to get them to believe it. I became as weak that I might win them that are weak. Come on. What about you, fellas? Can you mix with men that are weaker than you? Or does it preach you to that? What's the matter? Are you afraid of yourself? I'm not talking about the church. We're not even going to move deep in on that. And you're a fool if you do it. But teach you preachers mixed with somebody weaker than you. Oh Have you ever heard of strengthening the weak? Have you ever heard of using a spiritual bad infirmities of the weak and not to please yourself? Is it possible that a little fellowship could bring them to where you are? Ah, Lord. No, oh, you lost the message, Brother Bean. Now you're out over here with the compromises. I'll tell you what, when I finish, you'll wonder if you believe the message. My women wear their dresses four inches below the bottom of their knees. When I see my women wear their... I haven't got them all to do it. You haven't got all yours either. 
one will get fat and it'll come up a little bit. But I tell you what I do, I don't just put it, I enforce it. I go to them, you address it to short I believe the message. Wouldn't it be wonderful today if the issue could be settled? If the saints would say, I'll do it, and the preachers would say, I'll do it. Now are we going to fuss over whether a preacher should play golf or whether they should play ping pong? I don't know where to stop. I tell you what, I don't play golf and don't ever plan to. And I tell you what, if I knew it was causing problems, I'd never pick up another ping pong. I, once in a while, slap that little ball with that long letter, and if it's causing problems, here's what I'm saying. Why are we five models around? And in her womb is an unborn church. Oh, God, oh, God. Now, listen, God, somebody has settled whether or not we're to drink grape juice or wine. I drink either one, whichever you say. That's right. I will. I'm sorry. I'll do it. I will. I'll do it. I'm sorry. I apologize if that's wrong, but I'll do it. That if you want to declare it wine, we'll go wine all the way. Let's say it. They put me in spite. Yes. And while we're trying to get a bunch of space to leave that silly world alone. And while we're trying to get the high heels off of these darlings. And they got enough of stuff in their head to stand in the 40 mile scale backwards and never move ahead. And push them out here like this. And then the ones that girls like. Hmm, little girl. A friend of mine went into a barber shop here a while back and got him a haircut and he decided to walk on back and see what was the rest of all of that back there. And so help me God, there was some preachers sitting under the hair dryer getting their hair set. And when he looked at them, they, they hid their faces and said, please! Oh, he said, I'm going to tell it. Man, that's too good to you. Yeah, yeah. Honor and things needed told them. People yeah. the church to come see them sitting under that thing. Yeah. But wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if that beacon nature wasn't coming out? Brother, why don't we just do this? Why don't we ever put your vow today that you'll never buy another suit that is even questionable dresses? Why don't you just say, I don't care if I don't look as dark. And, you know, I thought about this while ago. Yo, but would you please forgive me for this? I'm going to tell on myself and confess. When I started out preaching, I let a silly suit salesman talk me into a flashy 
You know what he told me? He said, you look like Billy Graham. <laughs> I bought that thing, and you know what happened to it? I got it wet, and it mildewed, and turned out the color of what it's supposed to have. God, forgive me for such damage. But wouldn't it be wonderful if the brethren would become an example of the believer in word and conversation, character and faith, and quit buying the questionable things so the congregation will have questions in their mind? Oh, but this is not too bad. Yeah, but it's just enough to make them go a little further. I'm just going to get to my minute. It takes me five o'clock, but I'll be there. <laughs> If it could be settled, if the carnality could come out of us today, that makes us want to do things that are questionable, that are the twin instead of the sin. There's a danger. I have seen groups that I've been away from for quite a while go back to them and insist. Tell me the pieces, I can't believe it. Yet, no, no, that can't be. One of my good friends that I preached revival for and he stomped and snorted and had slipped and declared himself and cleaned the church out and so helped me jump the other day. I stood by him. He came and stood by me. I almost felt like out of place. Because I never did like to stand close to the ladies, but anyhow, he came and stood by me, and so help me, he had maroon patent leathers on, and a almost snow white suit, and his hair had bumped up about three times its normal size. And he said, May I stand by you? <laughs> How can it be? Don't tell me there's not that trends don't lead us too far. But aren't we settled on that? we decide today that I'm never going to do anything that would uh, somehow reflect the trend that down the road could possibly be wrong? Had a young man come to me not long ago in my church. And, and to me, it was a beautiful suit. And beautiful shoes. And he said, Brother Bean, what about the suit? I said, Well, I'm sorry. You better go to work in it. And it was beautiful. And I said, As far as I'm concerned, that's a beautiful color. But it's the near that if you're going to preach this gospel, the man out there is not going to stop at this. He's going to look at that and go a little further. So why not? Let's settle these issues by being an example of the belief. Let's quit being carnal and justifying ourselves. Let's stop somewhere. Let's draw a line. I realize you, you, you take the law of justification and compare it. I prove that I 
can prove by the law of comparison that playing cards is not wrong. That rolling dice is all right. I guarantee you, and I'll debate you any time on it. I can prove that rolling dice is all right by the law of comparison. When you start saying, well, this is not any worse than that, and this is Look at what they're doing over there, and look at what they're doing over there, and first thing you know, it's like a man told me one time, justifying going to the doctor. And I'm not saying you go to hell, but you better get you some faith somewhere. You better get it somewhere and use it. But he said, what's the difference in extracting a gallbladder, extracting the poop? Technically, there is none. I mean, my, you can't say there is. But when you start using that law, you took ever else of my faith away from me. I gotta stop somewhere. Well, what's the difference the same man told me in hitting the ball and was justifying the pool table for his church? He said, what's the difference in hitting the ball from the end of the street or from the side of the street? None! None! No way in this world you can prove there's any difference. But we better stop somewhere. Please stop. Draw the line. I'm not going any further. For the sake of the unborn, I refuse to. To make my preacher always have to preach on this. I refuse to ever tell me to be spent on this. I refuse to have to always hear another conference. I'm going to stop somewhere and say this is as far as I'm going to the world. I'm going to stay right here and stay put whether anybody likes it or whether my kids like it or whether I like it myself. Hey, they come after me with hate the mother, father, brother, sister, wife, and children, and in their own lives, and they cannot be not a child. I'm convinced that some people want us. That's annoying to them. Like one preacher said, if I can't get an option from the Lord, I'll get one out of my audience. Yeah. <laughs> and there's been a many a time there's been substitutes for anointing. Please. Yes, While it's all happening, that unborn at least. Please, God. Oh, if I could be something beside a harsh, hard preacher today. And give yourself to the call. Yes, sir. And the preacher would be forced to find him an evangelistic man. Because it wouldn't be long until God would honor you so much that there'd be souls start coming in. Sinners would start coming in. Hallelujah. Oh, I know what I'm talking about. Yes, sir. 
when we quit compassing this mountain and head northward, there's going to be sinners stuff coming in. And there's a time to stop and feed the church, whether they're living perfect or not, you have still got to be gone. To remind them, to keep provision, I mean just a little ounce of provision is worth a pound of fuel. Don't wait till it's rotten before you start working on it. Work on it in advance. When everything's looking pretty, I preach on it. Because you don't know what's in the heart of a child. You don't know how, what somebody's being tempted with. Preach it. But don't let it be our always theme. There's an unborn out there. That somebody needs to come to the rescue of us. Hallelujah. Let them come in. Let them name souls. That have nobody to defend them here today. Well, I've got friends that'll get up and walk and stalk and snort and get mad and act the fool about trying to reach not enough witness. That was unkind. They acted funny. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong, but we got busted tonight. Two that runs and one to go. And I've got a whole family sitting on the pews of our church that we went by. Just the baby up first. And yet we've got men that'll strive and spend their whole hour saying, don't give them one piece of love of God. Or you have, you have defiled the whole. I didn't say that's the person. I didn't say the promotion will do it. If you don't have a burden for the soul and, and, and an outreach for the parent, well, we don't want to count them and send them home. Everything we do is parent orientated. We press in the mind of those kids to bring these parents. We have special services so that they'll bring their parents. And the first thing you know, mom and dad is there. Listen, we've got children that have been carried to Alabama out of our Sunday school classes. But one little old kid was carried and his parents moved off and he sat out in that Sunday Sunday school class and that Sunday teacher was telling him about three jobs and that little old kid spoke up and said, there's not but one God. And that teacher said, you shut up. He said, there's not but one God. And that teacher said, you shut up. He said, there's not but one God. And you won't be nothing in
just saying, I'm not going to go pick the baby up. I'm going to kill the unborn at the expense of the little lady I've got in my head. And you're against counting anyhow. So why do you even care how many is there on Wednesday night or Sunday? What law comparison have you got? I'm not going to spare the day on Tuesday. If somebody needs to stand up here and defend that unborn, and since he don't have a voice, I'm going to speak for him. You can choke the problems, you can call them foolish, but somebody there do something. If it is out of the bus and throw away some bicycles. I heard Sister Freeman say something one time that like kill me. But she went to a part of Africa that had even the denominational churches had never been able to break through to even have a small meeting. It was that difficult. And one Christmas, they took their extra Christmas money that was usually sent to them, and the children all sat around and agreed to give their extra money they were going to buy presents with, and everybody in the Freeman family gave their extra Christmas money and went out and bought a bunch of nice goodies. And since the world in the neighborhood, children come, everybody come, and we're going to share this with you and show the true spirit of Christmas. And they started flocking in there by the groves. The only evangelical group that ever broke the ice. Mr. Freeman's family broke it and started a revival and people prayed through and the church is there today. Now, what's your bubble gum? You don't know what you're talking about. The reason you, you looked at somebody that all they wanted was numbers, and we got them. It's all they wanted. They wanted to pass them through whether they learned anything or not. But have you ever stopped to think there might be a way of bringing the child there, working, going back to the home, improves, I mean, improves that baby? I'm having to go home for students over Sunday school. And when in fact come back this morning to his child, and when he decided to go to the bathroom, suddenly he screamed in the staff of Sunday school, and said, You laughed! And he had to leave that of his son and bring him back to life. Every unborn day, because they're lazy, and so conservative, and we got to do him so much. This business that God's displeased with telling you hadn't read your Bible. And the number was about 120. And the number was about 3,000. And the number was about 5,000. And the number was in this crowd. Don't be a man in this channel. They count them in the middle of the last. But you can fill your church and the churches around you. Through until you can kill the faith and interest and enthusiasm 
how so many that the baby dies before it gets here. understand that I'm not trying to give you something that's not real because you go to hell. You'll burn as long as God lives if you don't get the real holy But on the other hand, my little negative ideas that we've developed in our tradition, you've heard it said, bless God, you didn't get it if you don't know it. That's not the truth.
We don't want an all event Jesus and a midwife too. For all these weak mamas that can't get ladies, most of babies going away without help. If God's church would come alive, wow, Peter, yes, thank thee, what? The Holy Ghost. No, no. I was preaching in grace one time, and a few minutes it settled up the Holy Ghost. An old man walked up on the platform, he happened to be the pastor's father-in-law, and he claimed to be a preacher himself. He walked up there, and he was, he was growling. He was growling at me. But I don't believe in that. He said, I honestly believe, and I'll always require that they at least repent. Believe me now. Well, hello, Mr. God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He changed your message, Mr. God. That's not my for you, God. <laughs> you were born holy no doubt before the preacher gave the hour at all. But Christ was fine for tonight. My Lord. Oh, you heard me. I don't believe in the parish There's not enough God among us. Be more than that. Be more than that. Some of these guys are going I talked to one. I let one come to me. Your father-in-law. We just got to do some folks. And he just got the hold of That love every one of them. They love him, don't we? Especially this young man. Now. Oh, yeah. Oh. When he's excited about his and I started to talk to him about baptism in Jesus' name, and it lasts to have two. Why bring a controversial subject? As those homes were. Well, you mean when we were fighting the whole Camelot crew over them? When his son ceased to be a controversial subject, and he said, Yeah, why don't you talk about something good and nice?
or in the first place, she's not the mama. And if you acknowledge that, you acknowledge error, and throws down a whole book in a man. Young boy came up to me one night and said, Preacher, I sure like you, Preacher. I really enjoy it, but he said, Just let me go ahead and pray for Mary. I said, Why do you want to pray for Well, dear God, if I go to it, he might rock it. Not in the same way he did the book. He went to Jesus one time and said, They're out of wine over here. Could you have them? And he said, What did I to do with it? Next time he went to request audience with him and they said, Your mother's out here. He said, Who is my mother? Lord, that means my love is respect to both of them. I said, why do you want to fight for it? Both times I've seen her reflected something from me, and she got refused. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Please don't get too excited. Yeah, but Brother Dina may be some sincere. Work on them sincere, but don't, don't blend with all of that silly. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to lose your message. You're not going to bring them to you. You're going to go to them. Yeah. So I'm not in for that. One man, Brother Hunky was telling about this stuff that came to him, and they've got a hold of him, and they told him how to talk to him. Is that right, Brother Hunky? You asked him if he had talking to him, he said, yes, this is what I did. And he went to say, Nicholas I.O., Patrick Mumbao, or something. Did you know? He's done. Brother Hank, you got him the real tongue. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I had a Jesus name one God preacher abandoned his church, went to the street, and said, I'm having to revamp everything. Said, how do we know what we've been Pharisees all these years requiring women to not wear makeup and not cut the hair, said, why, I had a woman in my house interpreted a message my wife gave out, and I saw her standing slept and pray for priests, and then get the Holy Ghost and rabbis and, and wealthy men and millionaires and get their healing. I don't care what you saw. No, sir, sure. don't let me know. No, sir. I said, it's there? Wrong. You're still wrong? Yeah. So, quit worrying about that. Let's forget that there's such a charismatic, and they're little tunes out of fast. Well, a man in California was sick of the Holy Ghost and hadn't been able to go to any of our churches. He said, well, I'll go out there and seem like they're getting it easy. And he went out there and so happy God, this is what they're doing. The man did the line. They stood him up and said, now, if we have to meet, any more money knows. All right. And I'm glad they didn't finish it. I refuse to get a meeting right here. There's more to that. It's not valid. And I, I'm not even going to worry about that. The only reason I moved it, I was afraid you are. But I contend that I can preach holiness, and I don't say this boasting. If you think it is, forgive me to start with. But I can show you two converts for every one of them. The compromise. 
And I preached everything you could preach and still stay alive. I don't believe the message will end you. I've had a big old sinner walk up to me and say, Preacher, I haven't got it, but if I ever get it, that's what I want. What you just talking about? And I just give that church a working over. I'm convinced that holiness, the whole works will go along with it. Don't worry about it. If you think of letting up to get no minds, there's something wrong in your thinking. The ultimate goal is salvation at the end of the road. And if that's your burden, you're going to tell them everything. I had a great man come to me, a great man. I respect him, a great man of faith. He said, Brother Dean, I'm seriously concerned. They're on the field totally praying for the sick. They call his name, number one of you know him. I said to him, Brother, please take a message, will you? The tendency is to go out and do nothing but pray for the sick and leave everything else home. Well, after a man's prayed for a blind man and his eyes is open, he could turn in the moon, seize and he'd believe it. Why don't he take a sermon to that honor and say, now, this is going on. You know, they've been sitting down in your eyes. I don't understand it. The only thing I can figure out is he doesn't love the message or he doesn't think it's important. Yeah. You've got folks that seem to be annoyed. So I thought every revival just stopped. 
It's not worth it, Brother John David. So help me, God, I'll get it to peace. And I'll beg your mercy and forgiveness before I let our spirit hinder and injure that unnamed baby. I'm going to tell you something. We've got a maintenance spirit. And I'm hoping that you keep jogging your little We really don't know where we're painting this. Vanity. Well, that makes it pretty bad. When it's what's been done, I'll have to say that some groups have lost their maintenance too. And the mighty roads that were built by pioneers have gone to nothing now. The highways are unoccupied and the travelers walk through my way. Let's keep the maintenance crew. Let's quit home. Brother, preach it. What do you think the church needs to be doing? If you feel like that you're going too far without mentioning it, you better get a mention. Don't look so evangelistic that that drives your innermost being. There's something wrong with your call. When you can't eat that food and enjoy every bite of it, who you are. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we could go home and be evangelistic for six months and not have to bother with you or with ourselves and holiness issues and other issues and divisions little fusses you get into and jealousies that rise and somebody's kid got a little more honor than the other and somebody's playing the piano and you wanted to play it in your garden and you get to sing. How silly from that unborn soul, my God. Oh, my God, how unfair. I hear the loudly the soft-spoken one. He said, you won't go in yourself, nor will you let anybody else in. <laughs>
that brings that Caesar into Now, I don't fear God, I don't regard man, but I'm sick of Caesar. I'm sick of it. I've had all the Caesar I can have. Now, praise the woman in here. Woman, what do you want? A benefit. Well, where do you want to be a benefit? Where is he at? Handle Get rid of him. Do something. I'll your Bible. And there's another one where I'm neighbor to him. And that's when he's neighbor's door at midnight or good night at midnight, dark, dark midnight. I said, neighbor, I've had friends come in and I don't have any bread and cover and they're hungry and I'm ashamed to not offer them something. Would you please mow me some bread? And the man said, you neighbor, neighbor, you don't understand. We're on the housetop. The kids are asleep on the door. We all sleep on the door to keep robbers out. I'll have to get every one of them out. I'll have to get them all off the phone. And have you ever woke up about a half a dozen screams or other half mad women? That's what I've spent my minutes to do. I don't think they want to go. I went to a place one time to preach. The pastor made up money to get me there. A man gave twenty dollars on it. I hadn't been there but a few nights. So they went to the pastor and said I gave twenty dollars to get him here and I said twenty give twenty to get him out. <laughs> I get him off the door. And I sleep him. Brother, that's a job. Now I'm gonna tell you what. Mm. But that man kept on. So the neighbor said, Oh, it's inconvenient. It's not a good time. Everything about it's wrong. But I'm going to wake these young ones up. I've heard you. You look like I'm not going to leave my door. They're not going to sleep in. Oh, that's in your mind. Who wants to claim? Let's suppose it's midnight. Let's suppose it's a late time. Let's suppose it's a comfortable time. To sit around and hold what we've got saved to sleep on the door. But I tell you what, it's there and somebody can claim it. Jesus, Jesus, we told him if I keep knocking, I could have it, whether it's inconvenient or not. Why, well, I've got too many scriptures. Let's suppose that God in his plan decided this is over. Let's say that he drew a line across it and said, from this point, no revival. And still have one. Because a little woman came one day and stepped across a line. A dispensational barrier, mind you. And bowed at his feet and said, could you help me? My child, my child. He said, woman, woman, it's not meat for me to give the children's bread to God. Yes, but master, 
Haven't you ever seen a dog staring long enough at a table till a crumb fell? Why have you not gone to work? And they said, no man at home. 
I haven't got time, but can I briefly say, I believe there is a ministry yet that hasn't been hired. I doubt if we could hire it today with a spirit to that. It would be so strange that we would call it everything the truth. And I contend we'll have everything in it that true has. We'll have church government. We won't be a fly by night preacher that'll collect your tithes on the stand. He won't, he won't demand that he put a tent up in your city rather than come to your church. That's not it. Many men that don't want to establish people in your church, you better leave him alone. He's a wild ass, and he'll make nothing but a bunch of wild asses out of what he's bearing. And brother, there's two kind of mules mentioned in your Bible. One knows his master's crib, and the other has to look for food. And he's scared of the hornets. And thanks, you better learn what that means. Because God's blessing to have a few scars on you. Show the pull in the load as you know at the end of the day there'll be corn in the crib. I bet when there's always sniffing the wind going from one big tent to the other, he'll you to hang a hat on his hip bone. I might briefly say there's two five foot trees mentioned in the Bible too. One of them was in a vineyard. And the man that owned the vineyard said, Come it down and divide versus the trees leave it one more year. But there was another one that grew up by the roadside and when the master walked by and found those fruit, he said, be thou withered, and nobody's best for it. You can be what you want to be today, but I'm going to stay as close as I can to the vineyard where there's no fruit that will please for me one more year. Somebody's best for the wild one, but for somebody please for that one in the vineyard. You better stay in your church and put learning out there that's stuck all over the country. I picked the Bible in a place where we had some folks paying tithes to the former pastor, and the other half went to Oral Roberts. Oh, that's a
พี่โลกพี่ตื่นไม่ต่อไม่ไม่นับเงินพอได้กินพอได้เข้าไปตื่นเสกเสกเสกเดินไปเลยเฮ้ยยังจะดีมากเลยเฮ้ยไอ้เด็กชอบที่สุดเลยว่าสิ่งที่มาสิ่งนี้มีนักแสดงคนหนึ่งคนหนึ่งที่มันเจ็บเจ็บแต่เราคือที่แม่นั่นแหละเจ็บไม่ได้ And I cannot believe to save my life. And I've never had a big revival. And I say that with not even the least sense of modesty. What is a hundred souls? If I could raise this level today, y'all don't have to give me a little bit of time. I'm not trouble. If I could raise your level today, just live it. See, we read in our little report that three deaths Mortally claimed in a great revival, and we highly advertise this evangelist's good singing. So that's all we believe can happen. Mortally claimed and three blessed. We brainwash ourselves into believing that thirty is a big revival. A hundred is impossible. When so help me God, if you make the comparisons, and I've got in the Bible, it was recorded that one fourth of the ground was. Yes, sir. Oh, come on. You may stumble over and spit on it and say it's no good. The first step was one was good. Which means that if you'll scatter it further enough, you've got the promise of one fourth of the seed you sow to come out. What's left up to you? How many you know? Divide that in half. Half of them will finally lose the oil, according to the scripture. Five will buy wives and five will. Okay, I've got two million in existence. When you say a hundred souls, big revival. I've never had a big revival in my life. Thing that ever seen I've ever had. Johnny Wilhart, you haven't had nothing in the Philippines.
and I've got to find that one for them. What I've got to learn to do is quit saying, well, there's no use, so I'll just say, yeah. Take a breath, yeah. This is so good in here, huh? Three there. Three there. It ain't gonna work in here. And then say, When the prophet said, Is the seed yet in the barn? It's still there, prophet. We want to know the answer. We have been so full of negative unbelief that we just sow a little one here and a little one there and tell everybody while we're sowing. They ain't gonna be Ain't nobody gonna like it. You go out and witness, you bow your head, knock your knock on the door, and apologize for being Pentecostal. They're not gonna believe it. Oh, God. And so the little old guy, he's gonna say, excuse me, I'm Pentecostal. I know you ain't gonna be what I'm saying, but at least I gotta delay my soul. Oh, my God. And I've got a promise that one for what I need to do is believe. I just think, first of all, get another good Get the faith in humanity. Oh, I know they're wicked. I know they're sinful. I know there's a lot of things. But you know what? I hate it. I hate it. I don't get this to you. I hate it. I hate it anymore. I used to call it something else, but I finally decided to hate it. I wanted to insult every one of myself. Anytime at a conference in New Orleans, I walked up to three of them and had her hanging down here and I slapped one on the back. I said, young lady, have you ever been here before? She said, don't put water in it. Insulted my man, look, I want to insult them. I didn't think that was what it was, but I found that that God gave this thing and has been the most good thing. Hard work. In the world. And he my heart. Thank you, dear. And so when I see one man, I want to go stop. He says, Stop it. Country and Texas, 
You watch that deer walk across the field with two little ones behind her. Everything is going good out there now. They'll almost invariably bear twins if they've got enough to eat. If everything is right, God, give me something in the church today. Oh, that we can start bearing twins. I told my church here a while back, you just while get ready. We're going to put swapping all over them. I didn't say it was one of them. There'll be special cases from here to Jesus come. It'll have to have a midwife. And if this church grows like God wants it to and for me to tend to everything, I wore myself out. I told God this one time, I said, we killed ourselves. Praying over sweetness. For the lack of faith. That's all it was. Cast out devil. <laughs>
I wouldn't be without him. He said that he was a day and brought us through a lot of false issues that tried to rise and come in our midst. Undoubtedly on you. Whoever you are that started early in the morning and worked through the heat of the day, my hat's off to you. But don't charge a young man who rises at five. And praise more so to the Holy Ghost between five and six than you did between six and five. Oh, my God. Oh, that vineyard, that, that harvest field says, Fellas, what have I done wrong? He said, first of all, this is mine. Do anything I want to do. I like that. In the second place, you hired out for that money. Yes, you agree on that. But I feel something moving among the young men. And some of the old ones that are dissatisfied with their ways and are saying, if I hire out, I'm going to have to have a reward. Oh, yeah. Because it's not that I'm worthy, it's not that I have any better service, and not one time did that old woman ever complain about one ounce of work. Well, he never said there was a lazy man out there. He said, these fellows are doing fine. It's just the hardest is too big for you. So I'm going to have to do it an hour before prison and have somebody else. My Lord. There's nobody complaining about your church, about your work, about your labor. It's just that it's too big. We're going to have to have somebody high out that will demand a little more money. Oh, And give me somebody with the persistence of a Jacob and the faith of an Abraham. Oh, my God, in the message of Paul, you're every You don't have to have one reclaimed and three left. And the thing was losing the modest thing you were thinking of bragging, and you just, I don't know what all you're thinking. But I came over and trying to help you. Paul spoke of the works of God among the Gentiles to the entire congregation. He wasn't bragging on Paul. He was saying, this is what God's been doing. I'm building the faith. I went to a place one time, and we'd go on for nine and for night, and nobody played food. I'm told you, you can have more wages, you want it? Thank <laughs> you. 